Hi, this is Liz Bashirs, joined by my Bell Curve co-hosts, Rachel Briers and Mary Scott Hunter. Have you ever been in an argument with your spouse or significant other and feel like they just aren't understand what you're trying to say? Or maybe you feel like you're talking past each other and just can't get on the same level. And we've probably all been in the situation at work when you're on a team with someone who you can't figure out how to communicate with. I know I've had coworkers who couldn't seem to understand what I was trying to say or what piece of information I was trying to impart, no matter if if we were talking on the phone, sending emails or walking through a screen share. Well, help is on the way because 29 years ago, Dr. Gary Chapman distilled his years of couples counseling into a book called The Five Love Languages. You've probably heard of it before, but here's a little premise from his website. It says, the premise is simple. Different people with different personalities express love in different ways. Gary called these ways of expressing and receiving love the five love languages. They are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. Each individual has at least one language that they prefer above the others. And when you know your love languages, you can commit, you can communicate them to your partner. You have a much better chance of really feeling loved and thus being able to pull in the same direction as a couple. For example, my predominant love language, love languages, I came in pretty closely, are quality time and physical touch. But my husband's are acts of service and words of affirmation. Knowing that we're able to receive and give the right things at the right time. For example, being cuddled up on the couch together means the world to me. But for him, jumping up to clean the kitchen as soon as we finish eating dinner is what makes him feel loved and appreciated. And okay, so my my sister-in-law listens to this story. So Anna, shut your ears for a second or listens to our podcast. So maybe she should shut her ears for a second. But um, a few weeks ago, James really hates it when the the refrigerator gets cluttered and dirty. And um, so a few weeks ago, I cleaned it all out and the refrigerator was just beautiful, perfect. It looked like it should have been in a a magazine or a catalog. And you would have thought I was wearing the sexiest negligee (laughs) that that you could buy. (laughs) But how excited he was that I had done an act of service for him in cleaning out that refrigerator. So how does if the how do these concepts of love languages fit into the rest of our lives? I'm pretty sure physical touch is frowned upon in a work environment. And what about the giving and receiving of gifts that can't exactly it can there are times it can be a little bit inappropriate as well. Well, Dr. Chapman and co-author Paul White also wrote the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. The languages are the same, but how they're interpreted and applied are a little bit different. Um, and I'll go through these just real quickly. Uh, words of affirmation. So in the, in the workplace, words of affirmation. This language is about affirming others using written or spoken words. For example, praise or for accomplishments, affirming one's character. Quality time is about giving someone undivided personal attention. Their examples are quality conversations, shared experiences, such as retreats and small group dialogues. Acts of service is about pitching in to help and getting things done, though there are nuances to watch for, like ask, asking before helping or else it might backfire. Tangible gifts involve offering thoughtful, non-monetary gifts to those who appreciate them, like tickets to a soccer match or concert. And... Physical touch, they warn, is a much less valued and more sensitive form of appreciation compared to the other four languages, but can still be relevant in the, in the workplace. Think high fives, literal pats on the back, that kind of thing. So all of that to say, we all three of us took the test and have our results. 
What are your love languages? So Liz, I took the test and I wasn't totally surprised about my highs, but I was a little surprised about my lows. And I, I read this book years ago. It, it came, it was given to John and I in marriage counseling. And I think it's a pretty common marriage counseling book. Um, but I read it and I guess I'd just kind of forgotten about the, you know, the various categories. And I took the test and definitely my highest one was like James, I am 37% acts of service. Next was quality time at 27%, words of affirmation at 20%, physical touch 17 and receiving gifts, zero, zero, big fat zero. So I was a little surprised by that. I didn't, expect that I don't know what I expected but it does if I really think about it line up with how I'm wired that is so fascinating Mary Scott I'm I'm very close to you I mine are also words of affirmation is right up there at the top with acts of service and then quality time physical touch receiving gifts way down in the bottom Definitely good to know, especially as we approach Valentine's Day and we're thinking about love and thinking about how, you know, how to express our love to those that we do love. And I had my husband take it too. um, And we always do try to love each other in the ways that we want to be loved. And so I, I guess I'm sitting here thinking Valentine's Day is supposed to be this, you know, a dozen roses and a bottle of wine kind of day. But I don't know. I, he took the test too, and, and gifts don't do it for him either. So <laughs> there you go. Well, mine are 37% quality time, 27 physical touch, 20 words of affirmation, 13 acts of service, and three receiving gifts. So it sounds like none of us are really gift receivers. Um, but it, it's kind of interesting. I was thinking through these different areas, and, and we'll talk about uh, work work appreciation rather than love in a minute, but just how those look different for me in a work environment as well. Mary Scott, you touched on your husband's love languages. Do you want to dive deeper into that? I I do because the opposite of, you know, love, I guess is indifference or hate. And I, I do think about the times even to the, I can, I suppose, no, I think I'm 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 worse in this. I I occasionally for will say things that I just don't think about too much or I don't mean or you know I'm not really I don't know I'm I I guess I'm in the moment or not in the moment or whatever. But my my mouth is definitely getting getting ahead of my my thoughts, and I have I have really hurt him at times. And now that he's taken this test, and I know that words of affirmation are the thing that he needs the most. I, I, when he took the test and sent me his results, my, I wrote back to him immediately is I feel like I should apologize like a thousand times because I, I like, you know, when I've said, that's not how you load the dishwasher, you know, that's (laughs) something that's really my opinion. That's But it, you know, he probably doesn't, you know, those, some of those words, I bet, where they wouldn't be very biting to me, I probably would, they would bounce off me, probably don't bounce off him. And so I, I'm going to be a little more careful about that. It's interesting. So Pepper, I would say is probably, he hasn't taken the test, but I would guess physical touch is probably top 
followed by quality time, followed by words of affirmation, acts of service. And then I'm definitely guessing, like me, gifts would be way, way, way down on the list. So like we are pretty good about, you know, Christmas comes around, neither one of us is caring or expecting gifts from each other. So that works really, really well. We're like, just give it all to the children. Like, I don't need anything. But, you know, it's interesting because I know from my reading of of the book long, long ago, it seems like you can accept love in one way, but then primarily communicate it in another way. So Mm -hmm. it's actually interesting that for me, physical touch is a very big way that I communicate love. So I'm always like hugging my kids and just, you know, rubbing their heads. I can't sit in church next to them without scratching somebody's neck. And Pepper, you know, he can't fall asleep without me, you know, rubbing his arm and, you know, kind of, it's just how I, I communicate. That's not necessarily what I'm looking for from others, but it has been interesting with the COVID restrictions. I've really had to retrain. I mean, here I grew up in the South and we all know, ladies, that the way it used to be in the South, it didn't matter if you knew somebody for two seconds, the next time you saw them, you gave them a hug. I mean, that's how I grew up, right? You just hugging, shaking hands, touch was really is really a part of our culture. And so I think events of the past five years, but then really punctuated by the pandemic has has stopped that practice quite a bit. So I've had to find new ways to, um, I don't know, fist bump in the air or whatever to kind of express what to me is a natural way to um, express affirmation and acceptance and love. To that point, I think a lot about my my dad's primary love language was the giving of gifts. Like that was what he, he put so much thought into giving us good, like tangible gifts that were useful. That's that don't want to say spoiled us, but was like the really just the thing, exact thing that we wanted um, or needed. But the man was impossible to buy a present for. I, gosh, every year at Christmas, I agonized over what to give him. And I remember one year, my mom saying, oh, he really, his um, contact book is falling apart. Like, you know, one of those little notebooks where they're old fashioned before cell phones when people would put contacts in a, in a physical book. And I think he would could use one of those. And I, um, so I bought him one. And y'all, after he died, I found it completely unused in his dresser. Like, well, I guess he didn't need a new one after all. He was impossible to buy gifts for. And so I, I do think when, like you said, Rachel, there are differences in how people choose to give and receive love and affection and attention. Can y'all think of any other examples like that? Oh my goodness, yes. Um, I love giving gifts, and I and I and I really like to think about them and I really like to, maybe I'm like your dad that way, but I, but it doesn't translate to receiving them. I I don't, I'm not as, you know, bothered when I don't get one, a commensurate gift. I don't, I don't keep score. I just, that's just not something that has ever really occurred to me to do, but I will say that I have been, I don't know, like, I think when I started to when I took this test the first time, I wanted to be something different than I was. I wanted to say, well, words of affirmation and physical touch mean the most to me. I, I, I wanted to, but the truth is they don't. And, and I guess it made me feel kind of cringy or something, you know, that, that the thing that I wanted, you know, I, I, I want you to spend time with me. I want you to, to, 
do stuff for me. <laughs> you know, I, I, and I felt like that was selfish in a way and I had to get over it. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'm over it yet. I think I'm still, I think I'm still, and cause I don't, I try not to let that desire for that, you know, for those kind, that kind of love drive it. Cause I know for John, that's not how he, that's not necessarily how he receives love. Um, so why would he think to give it that way? And, and I don't know, is it right to, um, demand acts of service? You know, it's not, you know, but I don't know. I, I, I guess I've struggled with that being my love language because it seems selfish. I love that you use that word cringe because that's actually one of the next questions I have. Are there any of these, these five things, the quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts that really like that, if somebody wanted to just piss you off, that's the way that they would show you attention. <laughs> really cringy. <laughs> I would never cringe if anyone wanted to show me love in any kind of way, but well, maybe the, maybe the touch, depending on who you are. But I think what I tend to maybe cringe at is when I try to give, when I try to express my care or love for someone in one of these ways, and I worry that, yeah, like for instance, words of affirmation is huge for me, huge for me. I mean, if you give me a truly genuine, sincere attaboy on something, and I know it's not flattery, Gosh, that means so much to me. But I struggle a little bit to, I might feel a lot of that and want to express it. But sometimes I, I'm a little bit worried that my words may be interpreted as flattery. And that makes me kind of uncomfortable and less willing to, to, do, to say what I might want to say. I don't really love it when I don't know someone and they just go in for the, I don't know. <laughs> For the hug or the kiss. Or, oh, yeah. I uh, I don't, I mean, I'm not like, you know, it's, I'm not weird about it. I'm not a germaphobe or anything, but, you know, I don't, I have to say, I don't love that. That's a cringy moment. And, you know, and there are people that just are huggers and you just gotta have to, Guilty. you know, go with it. Guilty. <laughs> Somewhere in between, because I am a hugger, but I don't, I want to be the initiator. <laughs> Don't take me by surprise. Or, or like people who like come up behind you and like put your, their hands on your shoulders. Well, nope. <laughs> or people or people who shake your hand and like grasp your upper arm while they're doing it. I'm like, I feel trapped right now. Physical <laughs> touch thing can be a little, that, that thing's that's tricky. probably the one that's the, the trickiest. If, How about if when, they're, when they go in for the, for the kiss on the cheek and you both turn your head at the same time? So oh, just terrible. Cheek, cheek to cheek. Cheek to cheek with fish lips. <laughs> this part cheek. out. Rachel can't talk. Cheek to cheek with fish lips. <laughs> Don't you dare cut this out. <laughs> that, that is the worst. Soon coming from Bell Curve Publications. Cheek to cheek with fish lips. <laughs> I can't. Oh my God. Um, for every positive in love languages are also negatives. For example, for example, oh, get it together. For example, being very sensitive to words of affirmation may also make you very sensitive to words of criticism. And I know this is something I, I struggle with on a professional level quite a bit is that if, if we're talking about words of appreciation or languages of appreciation, 
words of affirmation is my high, high, high number one. I need those attaboys. I need those gold stars. I need that <clears throat> feedback. But sometimes that positive or that negative feedback is something a little bit too sensitive to. Any thoughts or examples y'all would like to share on that? And y'all, Rachel literally does have tears on her face. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, y'all. It just it started and now I can't stop laughing. But, you know, I, Liz, I agree. I mean, unfortunately, I'd say, well, here, here I'll say this. I feel like I'm actually very open to feedback and pretty resilient, actually. I don't get offended by criticism, per se. I want it. And I know you would say you do too, Liz. But what I don't like is that it does affect me maybe more deeply than I wish. So I'm not, I'm not offended. I'm glad. I want the feedback. Oh, you didn't like that? Good. Let me make it better. But, you know, I'm going to end up thinking about that later and that I wish I didn't do that. Yeah. And so I, I've recently started doing some um, professional coaching with a, a coach who's worked with my husband before and he's fantastic. And one of the things that he and I talked about a lot is that, I'm in an individual contributor role right now, but I have a lot of responsibilities both as a project manager and as a member of a team that has me essentially not managing other people, but, but managing these projects. And I really felt like I wasn't getting enough feedback and support from my manager. And he talked a lot about how it is the, the concept of managing up. And one of your jobs as an individual contributor is to let your manager know what you need to be able to do your job most successfully. And one of those things has been formalizing a, a process where we talk about, I get feedback on a, in a formal way on a regular basis, because that was something I really was missing before. And it's helped me feel much, much more comfortable in my position as an individual contributor. What a great idea. Yeah. And I, I hate to keep bringing it back to marriage, but you know, we are getting towards Valentine's day and um, because I mean, all these concepts apply in the workplace, all these concepts apply in all sorts of settings. Um, but as I, I, I think about the positive and the negative, and I think about how successful relationships have kind of take all this in, right? They, they address all this. And so they, there's, there's dynamics that address how to um, make it a positive by using the correct love language, the correct way, flowing back and forth, um, and then, then and, and manage and tamp down the negatives. And for John and I, I think about our, I'm going to give you a little glimpse into the Mary Scott and John dynamic. Surprise, big surprise, we have a to-do list. And um, one thing that we figured out was that he doesn't like for me to henpeck him. I can understand that. Who likes to be henpecked about things that I need him to do around the house or errands that I need him to run. Um, but I need him to do those things or I don't feel loved. Uh, and so what we've worked out is that we keep a list and I don't, it's just, it's there. He can access it. He knows where to find it. I rack and stack things that I need kind of in order of importance and priority. And, you know, once a week or so, we'll kind of talk through all that. But um, I think that that's, there's probably something similar in the workplace, you know, as you're thinking about how to, how to manage your, you know, whether it's a relationship with a client or a relationship with a, uh, with a subordinate or upward managing, you know, there are these, if you can kind of figure out what makes you tick and figure out what makes, what make, what makes them tick, 
then you can come up with solutions that are very individualized and um, and understanding these love languages is you know it's it's a way to it's a backdrop for understanding that dynamic. Speaking of a kind of work mode, when you're interacting with your supervisors or people senior to you, what do you wish they knew about your work languages of appreciation? I think that what I would want maybe folks that I work with to know is that I do express love also in acts of service. And so, you know, sometimes I struggle if somebody asks me to do something and I know it is not a priority. I'm, I can't do that. I still find myself because I care about that person just wanting to. And so I end up very task saturated. And, you know, at times I've been overwhelmed because I'm trying to express love really or care through, through acts of service. But I, I think I've gotten a little bit stronger, I hope, in being able to affirm and say that's important. And I know it is. I can't do that for you. I think that I was, this is an interesting question because you're asking us what, what do we wish the the people that we worked for knew about us and what we need. And (laughs) there is something and it's been out, it's been, it's been kind of floating around out there for years and years and years. And, and I've had to let it go because it's something I really, really want. I really want it. And it does matter. It does, but it doesn't matter to him. <laughs> and and I have to just accept that. It doesn't, I, I've also figured out that it doesn't mean that I'm any less. It doesn't mean that I'm an imposter. It doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to him. It means a lot to me and it doesn't mean a lot to him. And, um, and it's something I'm probably never going to get because I've moved past the point now where it would matter. <laughs> um, now, it's interesting because I can get it for somebody that works for me. Um, and so I'm working real hard to get it for her. And that's kind of a win. You know, mm-hmm. things have changed. There's a change dynamic at my company. But I, I am determined to get this for her. But I, I, I probably I was never able to get it for myself during the time when it was appropriate to get it. So I don't want to be too cagey there, but it's not any something not something I really want to talk about too openly. But it's it is a thing, and I I I maybe I didn't maybe that maybe I wasn't clear enough to them how important that was to me at the time. But but if they knew I, that if they really knew and understood, I guess that would be the one thing I I wish that they did know that that this particular thing was important. Man, what stands out to me from that is has how hard you're working to get it for somebody else. I mean, somebody of a different character might say, well, I couldn't get it. I'm going to make sure no one else gets it either. I mean, that is so admirable. Well, yes and no. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but you know what? If you can turn around and help somebody else get the thing that you didn't get, it's not as great as getting it for yourself. But it is, it's, it is affirming to, to what your desire was. You know, the fact that you wanted that was absolutely fine. There was nothing wrong with what you wanted, so much so that you helped somebody else get it. So I guess I see that as, thank you. I I appreciate that, Rachel, but I do see it as affirming of, of what I wanted. 
Thank y'all so much for your vulnerability and the laughs and everything else around this conversation about love languages and, and languages of appreciation. I think I think there's a lot more we could talk about here, but I want to kick it over to our listeners and, and really start to hear from them about ways they've seen maybe these love languages or languages of appreciation play out in their relationships and their friendships and in the workplace. I think that that'd be a really good place for us to talk um, and get to know each other a little bit better on any of the social media outlets at Belker Pod, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Pod. We also have a book club coming up on March 16th. We're going to be reading The Push by Ashley, Ashley Audrain. Um, it is a tense page-turning psychological drama about the making and breaking of a family and a woman whose experience of motherhood is nothing at all what she hoped for and everything she feared. This one is a little bit different than some some of the non-fiction books that we have read the last almost year and a half, almost two years. Wow, we've been recording for almost two years. Um, but I think we're going to really enjoy it. It's She's a first-time author, mother. I think it's going to be fantastic. We hope you will go to our website, belkerpodcast.com, click the link to buy the push and join us on March 16th to talk about that. Of course, we can't close the show without thanking our, our sponsor, Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is based in Huntsville, Alabama, but they really operate all over the country, especially in today's you know, very online digital day and age. They, they have services ranging from training to leadership training and, and helping you walk through your own digital transformation. Maybe your organization is looking to implement Salesforce or some other kind of customer relationship management system. They are the organization to help you. You can find Higher Echelon on higherechelon.com or on Facebook and LinkedIn. Happy Valentine's Day, ladies. <laughs>